Well, I'm actually going to preach today, not John. So it's okay. So we'll pray for me as well. You guys do that, please. Appreciate it. No, thank you, Lee. Um, before we get started, and we're going to be right where Lee read from, and I wanted Lee, I asked her to read that long section because I wanted to connect chapter 10 to chapter 11. And so we'll do that in a minute. But, but before we get going uh, in, in like full-on with the sermon, everybody knows what's happening in, in the Ukraine. Everyone's praying for that. Um, and through connections that, well, I mean, we know how people are, are fleeing the Ukraine as well, and there are um, refugees going into all the bordering countries. One of those countries that borders Ukraine uh, is Romania. And through connections that we have uh, with Roluca, uh, being from Romania and a church there, uh, this church has asked for people to come together to help try to provide 1,200 mattresses for refugees that they will be ministering to. And so that is a very practical, tangible thing that we as a church are going to help with. And so this week you will be uh, able to see on Facebook uh, or through an email mechanisms and ways in which we can do that. And I mean, it's writing a check, what it's going to be, or, or sending money, but that's what we're trying to do is minister to refugees fleeing Ukraine into Romania and give them a mattress. They have nothing. They're just coming in. And so we're going to try to provide them a place, uh, work with others to try to provide them a place to sleep. And so be looking for that this week and give as the Lord leads you. As we get into what we're talking about today, like one of my things as a pastor, as a preacher, but it's not exclusive to pastoring and preaching. It's the same thing if you are a teacher, if you're a parent, if you're just in business trying to explain something, you often explain concepts by giving an illustration or giving a metaphor or saying, you know, for example, and then you try to lay it out there. And that is very much what chapter 11 is. Uh, the author has been, you know, he gave us a warning in chapter 10, and then at the end of chapter 10, he gives us an exhortation to keep going, to press on, to continue on by faith. And then we come over into chapter 11, and he starts giving us just example after example after example, or illustration after illustration after illustration of people who did that, of Old Testament saints who, by faith, just kept going, despite how difficult it may have been, the sufferings they faced, the plundering of their properties, being thrown in prison, having friends thrown in prison. And the implication being, if they did that, so can you. Because they were just people just like you. They're no different. And somebody's like, objection, Joe, you're, you're talking about Noah. Like, built the ark Noah. And you're talking about Abraham. Like, Father Abraham had many sons, Abraham. I am not like them. Those are like super saints. Let you in on a little secret. There are no such thing as super saints. No more real than a leprechaun or a Sasquatch. They're just people. Just like you. Just like me. Just people. But Joe, Noah. Yeah, have you read Genesis 9? He figures out how to ferment grapes and he passes out drunk naked. Well, Joe, Abraham. Friend, have you read your Bible? Abraham. I'm not even going to go into Abraham. Abraham. 
Now, I don't want us to misunderstand. Like, we are to grow in our faith, right? And Abraham, across his lifetime, by the time he takes Isaac and they go up Mount Moriah, his faith is pretty doggone rock solid. But they are just like us all through life with vacillations between faith and fear, faith and floundering, faith and fumbling. They are just like us. And so there's nothing crazy special about the people in the hall of faith, like personally. They put their pants on one leg at a, you know, at a time, just like we do. They are not perfect people at all. But what they have going for them is that they trust God by faith. They trust Him by faith. And that's, that's the point, man. Like these guys, people just like you, they like persevere. They did, you do. Persevere. Keep going. Don't shrink back. And so that's part of what chapter 11 is. It's just these examples of faith. But we also learn a lot about what faith is and what faith isn't as we look at their examples. As a matter of fact, that's how chapter 11 begins. It just straight up tells us what faith is. Is And so number one in your notes, just verse one, faith is, you can write this down, just copy verse one, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, okay? The best, like, key point I've ever given you because it's just straight up scripture. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of of things not seen. And then to that, we get added, verse 2, for by it, that is faith, the people of old received their commendation. And so these two verses very much just describe what faith is. It's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. That's the description. But embedded in that are Elements of three big ideas that help really kind of define what faith is. And those elements are, and you're probably going to write these down. There's three of them. Knowledge. Embracing that knowledge. And trust. Alright, three elements of faith. Knowledge, embracing that knowledge, and trust. These are the three elements of faith. And so, like, first of all, if you have faith, you have to have some understanding of basic facts. Like, you can't believe in what you don't know. Right? You can't believe in something you, like, you, if you don't know it. And so, just very practically, if you're going to have faith in that chair, because all of you are exercising faith right now in the chairs you're sitting in. You're exercising faith. And so to exercise that faith, you have to have some knowledge of, of gravity pulls us towards the floor. And if you put metal together in a certain way with some fabric and whatnot, it can hold up, you know, hundreds of pounds. You have to have some basic understanding, some knowledge, right? Then you have to embrace that knowledge. Not only do I know it, I choose to believe, yeah, gravity is real and fabric and metal and wood and Foam can go together and hold this up. I embrace that. I make it my own. I choose to believe it. And then third, like you have to trust. Like you actually sit down in it. So these are the elements of faith. Three of them. And these are on display here in verse one. Like if you're going to have biblical faith, you have to have at least some level, some knowledge of God. 
You can't believe in what you don't know. So you have to have some basic understanding of God and the promises of God, forgiveness of sin, eternal life in heaven. And when the author says things hoped for and things not seen, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about knowledge. There's some basic understanding of the things of God. And so you have to have knowledge to live out biblical faith. All right? That's one of the elements of faith. But it's not just about cognition and knowing about. It's a personal trust in. It's embracing that. And that's why verse 1 says, not just things known, but things hoped for. Like, I want these things. I'm embracing these things. Like, just as you hope that that chair holds you up, You've embraced the knowledge, so biblical faith embraces the truth about God, the knowledge about God. It embraces this. Like, yeah, I'm choosing to embrace this. And then again, that third element of faith is trust. It's being assured, convicted, having conviction that the things you hope for, that you've embraced, but aren't yet seen, are going to come about. But your trust isn't in those things. It's in the one who's promised those things. It's trust in the personal triune God of the Bible. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And what He promises. And so have you placed your faith in God in this way? With knowledge, embracing that knowledge, and then trusting. And if you haven't, then do so today. And if you have, the call is keep doing that like these people of old. And so in a lot of ways, you can think about faith like that was some technical stuff. In a lot of ways, you can just think about faith as like a title deed on your house. Right? If you've ever bought a house, had a mortgage, you go and you know you spend a good bit of time just like signing your life away. And I remember the first time we had a mortgage... It took extra long because I'm trying to speed read through all that. Second time was like, like as fast as I could. But it's very much just kind of like a, a, a title deed on your house because the title deed is not, this is what you need to pay attention to, it is not the house itself. Okay, But the title deed assures you that the house belongs to you. And faith is, is similar, okay? Faith is not salvation itself. Like, faith doesn't save you. Christ saves you. His life, His death, His resurrection is what saves you, but it comes to you, is credited to you, you are commended by faith in that. Does that make sense? Okay, it's not like when you choose to believe the gospel, that is not like that is not what actually saves you. What saves you is what Jesus did 2000 years ago, life, death, resurrection. But now that comes to you. It's the vehicle that brings it to you. That's what faith is. So it's that vehicle. And it's the title deed. Not the thing itself, but it's the title deed of all the promises of God. The eternal life that Christ gives. And so faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. And then verse 2 adds to that. For by it, or by faith, which becomes the resounding like 
um, I don't know, some musical term, just the hook, I guess, all throughout this passage. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. All right, verse 2, for by it, by faith, people of old received their commendation. We're going to see that word repeatedly. And what it's talking about is just being justified by faith. We are justified by faith. That again, is through faith in the saving work of Jesus. Sinless life, substitutionary death, bodily resurrection. Through faith, that becomes ours. It's credited to us by faith. And whether you're a believer in the Old Testament or you're a believer today, it is only through faith that this happens. For by faith, the people of old receive their commendation. So again, faith is the vehicle through which we receive the benefits of the gospel, but it's also a prime instrument now for how God works in us ongoingly. Like when you believe the gospel, that's not like the end. All right, I actually had faith. I'm good. No, that's the beginning point. That's the start. And now you live out in faith and you watch it grow like a garden for the rest of your life. And your life is the garden in which faith grows for the rest of your life just like all these guys in the hall of faith. And so we start looking at them. And the first one is Abel. Look at verse 4. By faith, so there's that hook. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended. All right, there's that word. He's justified by his faith through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And so the story of Cain and Abel comes from Genesis chapter 4, and it is the first picture of life outside the garden. It's the first picture of life outside uh, of the Garden of Eden when man has fallen into sin. And the first picture we get is of Cain killing his brother Abel because he's jealous of him because God accepted Abel's sacrifice and did not accept Cain's sacrifice. That's the first picture we get. And when you look at Genesis 4, Cain gets way more like airtime than Abel does. Matter of fact, Abel never even says a word. And yet, here, the author says that through Abel's faith, though he died, still he speaks. And so the question then is, what is he saying? And I think the big lesson is this, and it's number two in your notes. Without faith, it is impossible to be accepted by God. Without faith, it is impossible to... To be accepted by God. So it says that he accepted Abel's sacrifice. He did not accept Cain's. And the difference is not so much the sacrifices. With Cain bringing you know, a grain offering and Abel bringing a blood offering. The difference is how they came. One came through reasoning. I've worked hard. I'm I'm bringing the best. God should accept this because I do work hard and I I do more good. He's coming with reasoning. But the other one comes through faith. That's Abel. Lord, here is a sacrifice. But truly, truly I come empty-handed. I have nothing. You are everything. You are my mighty fortress. Great are you, Lord. And so it's not the offering that's rejected. It's the heart of the one who brings the offering. Is it given from a heart of love and of faith or a heart that's just going through the motions? 
And so let's bring that down into our lives and ask that question of ourselves. Do we live our lives on the basis of faith or just going through the motions? Because God sees to the heart, right? We can fool everybody else in here. We can't fool God. We just go through the motions? Or do we live by faith? And Abel is speaking to us today that without faith, it's impossible to be accepted by God. It, is, it, was, it wasn't his gift that was accepted. It was the heart behind his gift. We have to have faith in order for ourselves to be accepted. God is too holy. We are too sinful. Our only way to come to God is through faith in Christ. His sinless life in the place of our sinful lives. His undeserved death for sin in the place of our deserved condemnation for sin. His resurrection that says, validates it's all true. And so it's only by faith in Christ that we are accepted by God. And so the bottom line is this. Without faith, it is impossible to be commended by God. With faith, it is impossible to be condemned by God. He has made a way. And not only are we, by faith in Christ, accepted by God, we are then adopted into His family and loved as cherished sons and daughters Never cast out. Never pushed aside. Loved with an always and forever, never breaking, never giving up, always and forever love. If you've read the Bible, the little kid's Bible. Through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And just kind of a side note... What will your life speak after you die? What, what, what will my life speak after I die? Like what words are going to make up the content of your eulogy? When your life is reduced, summarized in 15 minutes of reflection, what will your life say? Friends, let's give our eulogists plenty of material. Let's live lives of faith. Like Abel. That bear witness to the grace and the mercy found only in Christ. Because without faith, it's impossible to be commended by God. With faith, it is impossible to be condemned by God. He has made a way. Closely connected to that is number three in your notes, and it's this. You can probably figure this one out. Without faith... It is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God. So look at verse 5 with me. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended. There's that word again. All right, Justified by faith. He was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. 
And so faith, again, has to be based on knowledge and then, and then you know, be embraced and then be trusted. And, and that's what Enoch did. But we actually know very, very little about Enoch. In fact, he's only mentioned in four verses in Genesis. That's it. And the account there is not very descriptive. All we know is that he fathered Methuselah and that he didn't die. And we don't know, like, what that happened. I don't know. Maybe it was like, you know, Elijah. We, we have no idea. There's just not a lot given there. We don't know. But what we do know is that it was the result of faith. That's clear. His faith honored God and pleased God, and thus God commended Enoch. And so here's a principle. You can write this one down. Faith honors God, and God honors faith. Faith honors God, and God honors faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Like, you can do all of these amazing things. You can come serve at the food pantry, and we always need more people to serve at the food pantry. You can go to the ends of the earth and be the greatest humanitarian that has ever been. You can make Mother Teresa look like a chump. Like, you could do anything. Like, all these great things. You could go to Ukraine right now and serve the refugees. Good, amazing, wonderful, great things. But if those things are not done in faith, they are not pleasing to God. It is impossible without faith to please God. They're not pleasing God, no matter how big they may be. But dear friends, I want you to hear the hope of the inverse of this because it's true as well. With faith, whatever we do is pleasing to God, no matter how small. The smallest deed done in faith, pleases God. Simple, like falling in love. Done in faith, pleases God. Telling the truth, raising a child, teaching a class, forgiving each other after we have hurt and wronged each other. Standing together in the bad weather of life, calling up a lonely friend. Or even just thanking God for the ability to have breath in our lungs done in faith, pleases God. I mean, it is pleasing to God whenever in buffeted and battered faith, you simply get up in the morning, tired and worn out and beat down by life, but by faith, I'm going to keep going, God. That pleases God. So keep going. Don't shrink back. These things please God because they're done in faith. Assured of the things hoped for. With conviction of things not seen. Why do they please God? And why do we do that? Because God is faithful and He will keep His promises. And to hammer that home, the author takes us next to Noah. And what does Noah teach us? Number four in your notes. That faith takes God at His word. Faith takes God at His word. Look at verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. 
in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Again, justified by faith. And so Noah's faith here, it caused him, because this is what faith does, it caused him to take God at his word. Okay, knowledge, embracing that knowledge, and then trusting. And so Noah trusts God and takes God at his word. And he took God at his word despite evidence to the contrary. Like it didn't look like there was going to be any flood coming to destroy the world. I mean, he's out there building a prehistoric aircraft carrier in the desert with no rain. Out of gopher wood. But he took God at, the, at his word and he said, Lord, if there's going to be a flood and you want me to build an ark of salvation, okay, I'll do it. And yes, Lord, I'll endure the years of mockery. What are you doing? I don't see, you've been out here for 10 years. I don't see any rain, buddy. You are wasting your career. You are wasting your life. Why would you do that? You, you could have done all these things and you heard from God and so you're doing... You see how that... It's just like our lives today. You're wasting your career to follow that. You're, you're wasting your life to do that. Why would you do that? But faith takes God at His word. Noah did that. And in reverent fear, because you are God and I'm not, I will follow you, is what Noah said. And then Abraham serves as an example of someone who does the exact same thing. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. I'm actually going to keep going. I told him I was going to stop at 9, but look look at verse 10. Because he never got that. Abraham never had a piece of the land, ever. We'll talk more about that next week. But verse 10 begins telling us that. I guess he owned a cave. Outside of a cave for his wife, he had no land in the promised land. Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations. Do tents have foundations? No. He was looking forward to a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. He was looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He was looking forward to the hope of heaven. He was faithful in the present because of his confidence, his assurance, his conviction of things not seen that were still to come. And that's how we continue on in this life. We live faithfully in the present on the basis of things that are still to come. I mean, we just camp out in the here and now. We will forever be disappointed. We will forever not be at rest. It's kind of like, um, so kids, Encanto, right? The movie Encanto. Eden, have you seen Encanto? Do you like it? Is it your favorite? Yes. So Encanto, or any movie, we can take it any movie, but we'll go with Encanto for a minute. Any movie that you watch, let's say that you 
the, you're going to watch the movie. You're going to go down to Disney and you're going to watch the movie with the makers of the movie. Okay? And they say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to show you one clip, but then I'll tell you about the rest of the story. And so they show you one clip and it's just the clip of the house cracking and crumbling and falling down. That's all you see. But then they tell you, hey, but everything's going to come back together. The miracle's going to continue. All this, it'll come back, da, da, da. If you just live stamped and camped out in your moment, and that's all you see, which is our lives. It's all we can see. Maybe that's the only clip we get because we, we don't, we're not above the meta narrative. We're not above the grand story of what God's doing. We just, we're trapped in it. But then the makers of the movie, God tells us in His Word, here's where it's going. And we live by faith in the promises that He's had. Assured and convicted of things not seen. The things that we hope for. And so we live faithfully in the present, even if our lives are a metaphorical crumbling of the house, based upon the coming future that the maker of the movie has told us about. By faith, we trust. And by faith, like Abraham... We write God a blank check with our lives. Here's my life, God. Write on it what you want. And don't try to even put in the little four section some stipulations. Just blank check. Have you given God a blank check of your life? Have you surrendered to God like that? And again, it takes to do that Faith like these men of old who lived with an eternal perspective. Not confusing the perishable with the imperishable. And so don't let the sandcastles of this world, because if you've ever been to the beach and built a sandcastle, you know how fast they get destroyed. One wave, all that works over. Or one guy flying a kite steps on it, right? You know how quickly they get destroyed. Don't let the sandcastles of this world distract you from the heavenly city with a foundation that awaits. Press on by faith. Knowing the truth of God. So knowledge, embracing that knowledge, and then trusting God to do what He has said He will do. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Hoped for. Assurance. Things hoped for. Conviction of things not seen. Live by faith. Let's pray. Father, even as you call us to live by faith, we know that in and of ourselves, we, we, we can't even muster that up. So we pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would strengthen us and cause in us a faith that is strong. But Father, at the same time, let us not measure the truthfulness of your promises based upon the strength of or weakness of our faith. Because it's not the strength or the weakness of our faith that's determinative of 
you keeping your promises. You will keep your promises. What keeps the promises is the strength of the one who made the promise. And you are a mighty fortress. An everlasting Father. A Prince of Peace. A wonderful Counselor. And so by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to press on, to keep the faith, to not shrink back, and to write our names, to have you write our names in the Hall of Faith as unknown members who just keep living like George Lyle. And so we ask this in Christ's name for His glory, for our good, and for the good of our neighbors who have yet to meet you. Amen.